Well, I'm only half here today because uh, my wife is gone in uh, England. We're, we're real rich and we always go on vacations like that. Notice, <laughs> notice because she worked for United a little bit cleaning airplanes this summer, uh, they can fly standby. And so Oli also worked for United. She's flying standby and, and Amy went along as a companion. And, and I do feel like a, a duck out of water at times. And uh, we had, I had uh, quite a day the other day. All I needed was a tent for the circus that was going on. But uh, we have two birds in a cage and Susie's drilled into me and very consistently, don't open the door when the birds are out. So I have to, uh, and we've learned that by hard, school of hard knocks. A couple of birds had flown out and that was the end of them. Uh, they never came back or they froze to death. So, uh, and then Lucy, I have to watch her. She goes out, but she wants to explore. And, uh, and so I've been drilled, you know, don't, don't let her go. And, and I'm, I was raised in Fossil, Oregon, uh, where you never tie up a dog. Just let them out and go, and they'll, they'll be back someday. And if they don't come back, who cares? <laughs> They're just mutts, most of them. But, so the other evening, I was going to cook some pork chops, and I got the um, uh, pork chops out, and I got the birds wrangled. And, and uh, I was cooking, and, and I got them done, and the pan was hot, and stuff sticks to the bottom, so I always pour some water in there to uh, get it loose. And Susie, before she left, she insisted that I would install a, a new uh, fire alarm, smoke alarm, because I guess she doesn't trust me to burn the house down, I don't know. But uh, so it, the new smoke alarm is in there. <clears throat> I pour the water in the pan, and immediately the smoke alarm goes off, and it's a good one. It screams really loud. It was screaming like crazy. So I grabbed something, and I was fanning it, because the old one, you just fan it a little bit, and it went off. I fan, 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 and it wouldn't go off. And so I ran through the front door open. And of course, the first thing happens, Lucy runs out. Oh, I'm free, you know. And so she runs out. And at the same time, this bird flew right over the top of my head. And, and I thought, what's the deal? And somehow I didn't get the door closed when I housed the birds. <laughs> so I slammed the door and Lucy's outside on her own. And the alarm's still screaming. And, and I'm trying to get the birds back in. I'm fanning the alarm, the alarm's screaming. And I get the birds back in. And I go to see if what Lucy's doing, and she's sitting right there wanting in because she wants to, she wants to see the circus. And uh, <laughs> and I fan, 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 and it won't quit. And so I get up there and disconnect it, and it keeps beeping because uh, I realized later as a dummy there's a battery in there, and it says push to hush. So I pushed, and it wouldn't hush. I pushed, and it wouldn't hush. And I pushed, and it wouldn't hush. Finally, I went and got some duct tape. You just put it over the little beeper uh, where the sound comes out. And then I went in the back room and stuck it underneath two pillows <laughs> and closed the door. <laughs> then I finally found out there was a battery in there, so I took it out. But uh, So I was telling Susie about it, and then she said, well, did you read the instructions? And that really, you know, that was the last straw. <laughs> and uh, anyway... I'm without a smoke alarm, which uh, is okay. We'll get you some TV dinners. Huh? We'll get you some TV dinners. Those are safe. Yeah, TV dinners, I don't, I can't take those. All right. Chapter 6. We have a pretty long reading here because it's really three different things mentioned, but it's all the same theme. Chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. 
Therefore, when thou doest thy alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets, and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I send to you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thy alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And then it gives the model prayer, and we'll skip that down to 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. For I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou may appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so, as you know, we've been studying the commands that the Lord gave during his personal ministry about three and a half years of his ministry that was official uh, and before men. And uh, he brings us to uh, some, uh, a call for us to examine our lives concerning why we do what we do. We've been looking at a lot of things uh, prior to this how that we are to pray for those that despitefully use us and, and uh, many things that are difficult and, and uh, pointed. And, and the last that we looked at was, be thou perfect. And so what goes along with that, kind of naturally sometimes, uh, loving our neighbor and you know, doing things that's hard for us, and trying to be perfect, as we talked about last week, is that uh, we can fake it. And he's going to address faking it. Uh, we come face to face, as I said, with the idea of why we do what we do. And he uh, really talks about three, three things. As he talks about alms. He talks about prayer. And he talks about fasting, and next week, we'll, next week we'll look more into what fasting is, and I'm just going to have a lesson on fasting. But alms, usually, uh, basically alms is, is, you know, giving and helping out poor people, but it has a broader meaning too, and it just, it means re religious, uh, religious activity. And of course you know uh, what prayer is, but alms can uh, involve Singing in the choir, uh, preaching in the pulpit, shoveling the neighbor's driveway, just religious deeds in general. And uh, prayer, uh, both mostly public, but in, in private. If you tell people how you've been praying in and, and private and fasting, of course, is the denial of food for religious purposes. And it says here, the very first words, the command, which, which covers almsgiving and prayer and fasting, the command is take heed. The very first two words, take heed. Uh, and that really, uh, take heed means to be on, be on high alert. This uh, brown doesn't really show up very good. Uh, high alert, be, uh, be on guard. With the idea of why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, 
And to beware, it has the idea to take heed is to beware of uh, our motives. When we do religious activity, uh, what's our motive? Why do we do that? Uh, when we discipline our bodies in, in fasting, uh, why do we do that? And, and the command is what's called in, in the present. And of course, uh, imperative just means a command. But the, the present means uh, right now, all the time. That I'm to be, be, take heed all the time. Because we're prone to do things to impress people. And a uh, very, very interesting word here when he, he says, uh, he says to, uh, to be seen, the word to be seen, the, the word that was in the original Greek language, uh, to be seen, is, is the word T-H-E- A-O-M-A-I, theomai, and we get our word in English from that, theatrical, there's a lot of theater in religious activity. People go about going about just to be theatrical, to uh, make, make uh, impressions. Look there in uh, chapter 6 again in verse 2. Uh, let's see. Therefore, when thou doest thy alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do. The word hypocrite. And then in verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. And then down in verse 16. Moreover, when thou fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, and on it goes. The word hypocrite, as many of you know, means to be an actor on the stage. A hypocrite is someone who plays a part. And so it's implying that we throughout the week and on Sunday and Wednesday, uh, we can come and play the part to be seen of men. That we come here because... Um, not so much to uh, worship today, but people are going to talk if we miss church. Or why am I here today? If you look over in uh, James, it has uh, uh, interesting words here in the book of James, uh, chapter 1. And look at verse 26. James chapter 1 and verse 26. If any man among you seemeth to be religious, and he goes on and talks about the tongue, and brideth not his tongue, but you see his own heart, this man's religion is vain. That means everything, everything he does is worthless. That word vain means worthless. And so... This going through the motions, seeming to be religious, and you can't put a bridle on your tongue or allow God, because we can't tame our own tongue, but allow God to bridle our tongue. We're deceiving ourselves, and, and our religion is vain. And so in the same, same sense, when we look over here and he says, take heed, and we're like the hypocrites, that 
all we've done and all that we're doing in the name of religion is vain. It's worthless. Which means that uh, we need to check our motives. I can come to church on Wednesday and I've not been uh, keeping up my prayer life. I've not been getting up and getting into the Bible and, and doing some devotions in the morning and, uh, and be uh, a little bit farther, or a lot farther away from God than I have been in the past. And, and uh, God's not moved, but I've moved and draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you, the Bible says, and I've not been drawing nigh to God. And, and so I can not be up on my prayer and not be up on my Bible study. And people say, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. And sit down and the preacher preaches and amen, brother, amen. And all the time within my life, I'm just being a hypocrite. But people trying to impress people, trying to make sure people know that I'm a godly man. Well, it's theatrical. We're playing a game. And... uh, Instead of that being a, being a religious discipline in my life, it's just a habit of, of hypocrisy. And we're constantly in danger of falling into those traps. And in fact, I would say to you that the longer that we're Christians, the more danger it is to fall into those. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how that in some cases... When people first get saved and they're growing in the Lord and you may uh, be uh, an occasion like we do on Sunday morning, you may be an occasion that you can pray with him or her and how their prayers are so refreshing. They're just, they're just talking to God. But after they've hung around a while, they get all the these and thous in place and they begin to say, well, this is the way we should pray. And it becomes more of letting the people know that are listening to us pray that we're godly people. And we've lost the genuineness of blocking out the world and just pouring our heart out to God. And, and again, the longer you're in the Christian activity, <laughs> uh, the longer, longer you're a Christian, the more you seem, I seem to at least, I want to conform to what people think is right. I want to conform to the acceptable behavior in my church. Because I want their approval. There's a great, there's a great uh, desire in our lives for approval. And, uh, and we can get that approval. Look what it says here in verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thy arms, do not sound sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I send you, they have the reward. They have the reward. They get the approval. That we want approval. And then in verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. But I say to you, they have their reward. And then in verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Very I say unto you, they have the reward. It's an interesting word, have, and it means, uh, it means, how should I word this? They have the, re- the reward. This, I don't know if this is a good way to put it. They have the reward in full. That, that means... Uh, 
No more. <laughs> you got it. You, they have the reward. That when I pray to be seen of men, I get the, hey boy, he's really spiritual for men. I get my reward. But that's all the reward I'm getting is what it's saying. There's no more reward than that. Yeah. I'm not going to get a little bit from them and a little bit from God. When I pray to be seen of men, I get my reward. Boy, Brother Humphrey, I wish that I could pray like you. What do you think I should be doing as far as doing religious activity? I, I want to be like you. And well, I sit at the back door and the people go out and I, and I just want them to say, great message, Pastor. I want to be accepted. Now, there's a kind of a, there's kind of a, a good thing about that and a bad thing about that. Every pastor wants to know that when he preached, he met a need in the church. He met somebody's need. And that's a genuine desire. Mm -hmm. But for someone to just say, you know, to brag upon me because they enjoyed the message or, or you know, <laughs> my theatrics is good. And I, I've told you this story about how theatrical I was. There was a, a chair on the stage, and I was trying to make the illustration that when we put our faith in God, we completely trust in it. And I can go around and look at the chair, and I say, it looks, it looks good and looks sturdy, and I think it will hold me. And, and, but, but really, I don't put my faith in into it until I, until I put my weight on it. And it was one of those chairs that had, a, you know, the fiber board in the bottom of it. And so I jumped up on it to put my weight on it, and it broke. <laughs> Theatrics. I remember someone uh, in Oregon when, at, a, at family camp, he had in his notes, and he told someone before he preached, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing. When I preach, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to laugh, and I'm going to swing from the rafters. All planned. Theatrics. Well, they have the reward. There's no more reward than that. If I'm doing it to be seen of men, I'll be seen. People will, people will make a comment or they'll nod their head, but um, they're not going to get anything else but from men and not from God. They may get curtain calls. They may get asked to uh, come to preach a meeting. And actually, some evangelist, if, if you want to call them evangelists, that goes from church to church preaching meetings, they're... Uh, they're nothing but theatrics. There was a guy named R.G. Lee that preached a message all over the country called Payday Someday. And it was a good message, and I'm not saying that that was theatrics at all, but it can come to a place where, where the messages that we preach are uh, as preachers, uh, they're not fresh off the altar. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, there's been times I've pulled out and warmed up old messages, and it doesn't mean that God's word isn't effective even when you've preached it before. So I'm not saying that. But I am saying that when we're doing our religious activity, you know, let's say that the snow's really bad and I got my snow blower and, and I go someplace, some uh, widow lady or someone that's disabled or, you know, not really healthy, and I go blow out their driveway with my snow blower. And when I, when I get to church, um, People say, how's it going, brother? What, what have you been doing this week? Oh, I've been, I went over here and I blew her driveway out and I blew his driveway out and I did this and I did that and I'm just serving the Lord. Um, and it says this in here, when the Lord sees us do it in secret, he'll reward us openly. 
And the reason were the reason that the Lord brought this in in, in eighteen, you know, told us how to pray and goes down through uh, nearly sixteen verses here is because uh, eighteen verses because we can have a problem with it. And we can go through the motions. And uh, I listened to a message online last night, and you know, uh, I'm I uh, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I don't appreciate music much. I don't. And that's not a good thing. And so. So we can sing, we can sing a song, and I re-endeavored to listen to the words and sing from my heart this morning because I'm so convicted about this message. But you know, we can sing the words, and 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 come to the end and have prayer and sing the next song. And and if you would ask me, what did we just sing? What was the song we just sang? I'd say, uh, I don't know. Because there's nothing that really passes between me and the Lord. And it's just activity. No matter how great I have a voice I have. And sometimes in, uh, I'm kind of chasing some rabbits here, but sometimes in music, especially when it comes to spatial music and solos and trios and duets, they can become a performance. In um, 30 plus years of ministry here, uh, people have come and gone, but I can name names and, and uh, tell you that these people, they wanted to sing a lot, but in the end, it was nothing but a performance to be seen of men. And that's proved true as their lives have played out. So they have the reward. It's a reward of men. But there's another reward that it speaks about here. And we can have a reward from God. In verse 4, that thy alms may be seen, in, that thy alms may be in secret. I'm not blowing the trumpet. I'm not letting everybody know. That thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I think that's encouraging there for a number of reasons. And that is God sees and God knows and God rewards. Don't think that your service for the Lord goes unseen. And he rewards. He will reward you. But if you're doing it to be seen and want the praise of men, that's all you're going to get. You have your reward. Verse 6, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And closet doesn't mean where your clothes are hung. It just means a storage room where it's quiet, no one coming and going. Not like, not like the NFL players who at the end of the game go out in the middle of the field and bow and, and pray to God. Not like the NFL players who when they score a touchdown pound on their chest and point up to heaven. But they do it in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so they have a reward. John says, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. That's in 2 John. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that ye receive a full reward. And so it's encouraging here, as I've already said, when, when you... Uh, 
when you understand that God sees what you're doing and he sees your heart behind it. Years ago, I had a guy come to me and, and he said, you know, he said, I did this and this and this and this. He's telling me, telling me all the things that he had done for the Lord. That, I, that I'd done this and I did this and I did this and this. And then he said, and the Lord dumped on me. I did all these things and now the God's dumped on me. Hmm. When pastor's gone, I'm going to preach about uh, the discipline of the Lord and why he disciplines us. But God never dumps on people. But when you talk like that, the question is, well, why did you do what you did? What did you expect from it? That we ought to give of our best to the master, as the song says. And so, so uh, he's challenging us. There's a lot, uh, probably deeper I can go, but he's challenging us in uh, our thinking and our actions. He's not saying don't do anything if you're going to mess up, you know, but he's saying no, do it for the right reason. Years ago, oh, there's the white stuff coming down. <laughs> Years ago, oh, don't look outside, stay right here with me. Years ago when the, the, they only had this building and I, and I came up and, uh, to hold a meeting uh, but when they first moved into this building and actually I came up, was asked to come up and preach a revival meeting and actually behind that, the, the missionary was wanting to challenge me and ask me to come and pastor this church once it was organized. But I remember uh, two guys were over there and they were working really, really hard on uh, finishing up some sheet rocking and some trim and stuff. And, and the missionary came over and he interrupted them and said, uh, you know, Oh, can you guys go downstairs and finish up this job down here? And, and so they said, sure, brother. And they took off down, uh, down the stairs. And, uh, and I remember our, the mission work that I was struggling in, uh, I was just happy when people showed up. And if they were working, I, you know, if they were working, I wasn't going to interrupt them to go tell them to do something else. I remember going around the corner there uh, and uh, bowing my head and saying, Lord, give me, give me some people who would be willing to just serve you and follow their pastor. And I didn't know that later he's going to call, but I had an occasion to, uh, after that, these, oh, these people were working, uh, they were working, finishing up the building, and, and I, I said, you know, thank you. I really appreciate you guys working like this. And uh, Gary Baumgartner looked at me and he said, we didn't do it for you, brother. We did it for the Lord. And we need to do things for the Lord. And in those things, we may be blessings to other people, but why we do things is before the Lord. And so, just to uh, kind of round this out and finish it up, because I want to talk more about fasting next week, but let me suggest to you some reasons when we're praying, we'll talk about prayer, why we should be careful that we, that we don't do it to be seen of men. First of all, when we pray, we need to remember who we pray to.
Look over in Isaiah 6 and 3. In the year King Uzziah died, verse 1, he's praying and uh, he sees these angels. And one cried to another, verse 3, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And we know that when we pray, we're not in a position where we see angels and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. But God fills the earth. God is omnipresent. And so when I bow, whether it's in my home or in a public setting, it's going to take away all desire to please men in my prayer when I remember that I'm bowing before a holy God. Let's remember that when we pray. He's holy. And then secondly, let's remember what allows us to pray. Ephesians says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Remember when Jesus died and he cried out from the cross, it is finished. And the temple veil was rent. Emphasizing even further that access into the holy of holies it's only possible because of what Christ did. And that when we say, in Jesus' name, amen, we need to understand that that's not just a way to end a prayer. It's not like a hocus pocus saying or something we can say to get attention. But I'm coming in Jesus' name because in my own name, there's no merit, I have no merit. And so it's going to remove all this superficiality, all this theatrical stuff to try to be seen of men when I remember that I can only bow before God, I can only pray to Him because Jesus made a way for that to happen. Man, what, what a joy and, and what humility. When we bow our head to pray, there, there ought to be a... a uh, some humility in our lives. He created all this world and then he lets us talk to him. Call upon me for I'll answer thee and so they great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Cast our care upon him for he cares for us. And then go with me to Acts chapter 20. We need to we need to remember who uh, physically we pray before. 
In Acts 20 and verse 28, he says, uh, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseas to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. That when I'm in a public situation and I'm praying, let's remember that we are praying in the presence of blood-bought saints. Let's remember that we're praying in the presence of, of brothers in the Lord and sisters in the Lord. Let's remember that at the foot of cross there's no big eyes and little U's. And that I actually have nothing in and of myself to be impressive to you. Because it's by the grace of God we are what we are. And if there's anything that's commendable, it's because God did it. We have no, we have no, uh, we have no right to, to do things to be seen of men to receive glory. That's why God says they're going to receive the reward. They're going to get what the reward they get from men, what praise. That's all they're going to get. And God, and God says, I forget the verse, it's the Old Testament. God says, I will not share my glory with anybody else. I'm not going to share it. All the glory belongs to me. And then let's remember, remember who helps us. To pray. Who's helping us in this prayer? Look in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we, know what we, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let's remember that prayer is a spiritual thing. Prayer is not just wording words to be heard of men. But prayer is a spiritual thing. That that we've entered into a cooperation. I don't know if we're cooperating, don't think on equal terms. We've entered into a, a submission of, a, we've entered into a, a state of following when we have a leader praying as we ought. that we uh, I don't know how to put all this but we are uh, functioning together that we are being led by God by God that that as the Spirit leads us to pray, as we are, there's a there's a connection between sinful man and weak man and fallen creatures who have been redeemed. And as in evangelism, we're co-laborers with God. 
Shouldn't that humble us anytime we bow our head? What would make me want to try to impress people in my almsgiving or in my prayer or in my fasting? This is a holy work. This is a spiritual work. And again, let me say to you, there's not a church, a Baptist church, we won't, we'll just exclude others, but there's not a Baptist church that you can enter into today that doesn't have people who are doing things to be impressed of men. And they have a reward. When we live the religious life instead of the surrendered life, we're going to get our reward. Men will talk of us. But will we have anything to cast before the Lord our crowns? Must I go on empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior soul? Not one thing with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? And then I would say that we need to remember five. We need to remember what hinders prayer. What hinders religious work? What hinders fasting? Our inability to say the right things or the word even here, he's already said that we don't know how to pray as we ought. Our inability to express ourselves like we want doesn't hinder our prayers. The fact that we may have weakness in our body, that we may be weary and tired, that doesn't hinder our prayers. Where we pray, whether it's in the closet or in the public assembly, it doesn't hinder our prayers. Look over in Psalms 66. Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin destroys all religious endeavors. You'll get your reward, but it won't be the reward from the Lord. And so it's sobering as we come to the crisis moment in the lesson. Why do we do what we do? Why do we put our tithe in the offering plate? I know, I remember this old man when I was a member of a church in Dallas area, and this guy was led to the Lord in his older age, he's up in his 60s, and the man who led him to the Lord was explaining to him about tithing. And uh, he would bring his check to, to Brother Vance and uh, give it to him, and, say, and he would say, I'm paying my bill this month. Well, <laughs> I understand what he was saying, and I don't know the heart behind that, uh, but tithing is not paying your bill. Why do we sing in the choir? 
How do you feel when you've done great service for the church and even for other people and no one gives you an attaboy? Attaboy. Good job. What if no one ever says to you, good job? Well, we're humans, aren't we? But let's keep in mind, when we do it for the Lord and for Him only, He sees. He does see. And even a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name will not go unnoticed. All right? We don't need theatrical service for the Lord. We don't need hypocrites. We need to get back in a personal relationship with the Lord when what we do is because we feel Him leading us to do that and we want to be pleasing to Him. And He'll reward thee openly. I don't know, sometimes we grasp what, you know, sometimes I don't think we understand what the reward is, but you, you may have good health because he's rewarding you. You may get a good job because he's rewarding you. It seems like that that reward openly is not only in the next life, but in this life. But think how sad it would be for one who's poured his life out and going around being a theatrical Christian. And when he gets to heaven, those others around him, he hears the Lord say to some, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And when he looks at this other guy, there's no words at all. Because he already got his reward. Well, let's, let's put on the top shelf what God thinks and not what man thinks, okay? All right, I hear the kids screaming, so it must be time to quit.